should ask yourself who taught you to hate being what God gave you. Hi everyone, welcome to Do Not Hate Podcast. My name is Tuana and as one of the co-founders of Do Not Hate, I'll be your host most of the time. Sometimes I'll co-host with my other team members. Um, Do Not Hate Podcast aims to introduce you to unique perspectives with the help of our guest speakers from different backgrounds with the same mission, which is to create a hate-free society. Um, Do Not Hate is a 501c3 nonprofit organization and a social platform run by students with a mission to contribute to efforts and the goal of resolving lingering problems in our society, mostly related to hate. And we seek to develop public awareness for diverse cultures, traditions, and opinions, and unite different points of views on common issues and encourage people to engage in solving shared problems. So today I have a very special guest with me, Rabbi Mika Smurley. She's also our opening guest. Um, Thank you so much for accepting my invitation and being with us today. Of course, Joanna, always with so much pleasure. This is so exciting for me. Thank you so much for asking me and for having me at this uh, podcast. Of course. So before I give the word to you, I want to quickly like introduce you. So Rabbi Mika Smirley is a reformer by at Temple Beth Tikva located in Wayne, New Jersey, who is very dedicated to her job. She's someone who devoted herself completely to spreading the message of love, peace, and acceptance. And I first had a chance to meet her actually around like four years ago when we founded Do Not Hate in 2017. Um, not only she helped us grow by introducing us to Temple Beth Tikva's youth groups and her connections, uh, but she also supported us every step of the way. And for four years, we have been feeling her constant support and love, which is such a big honor and privilege for me, personally speaking. <laughs> Today, we'll be talking about her story, um, advocacy against hate, working towards restoring peace for all, and also, most importantly, we'll be talking about um, youth's responsibility and enrollment in that sense. First of all, um, I want you to, you know, introduce yourself with your own words, and I want to, you know, dive in after that by asking you, you know, for those who are not familiar with it, uh, what is Reform Judaism? How is Reform Judaism different from Orthodox Judaism and Conservative Judaism? So, first of all, Reform Judaism um, is is a very, very wide concept. Um, and I have to say that um, I feel very privileged uh, to be a rabbi. Um, and the only way that it was available for me was actually through Reform Judaism. What is Reform Judaism? It's basically the, 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 uh, uh, the sentence to, to, to use for it is, is, is one sentence one simple sentence. It is honoring our tradition and embracing modernity. That's what it means to be a reformed Jew. We don't forget and we don't uh, let go of our tradition, of our ancient tradition um, from thousands of years ago, which in its nature was patriarchal. We don't forget However, we are adhering to modern times where not only women are empowered to, uh, to seek their vocation in life and their own direction, but also to ensure that we treat everyone in our community the same way that we would want to be treated. It's very internal and very external. In other words, yes, we are very actively Jewish. We celebrate all the holidays. We have many blessings and prayers and all kinds of 
uh, liturgical uh, uh, expressions of our inmost prayers and connection with a higher a higher being which we refer to as god or adonai um and and then in addition to being uh so uh, um happy in our own tradition we also work very hard to make sure that everyone in our surrounding in our community and beyond is always welcome we don't really tell anyone how to live we don't really have any kinds of dogmas or you should do this or you should do you shouldn't do that we basically teach different options and then we ask people to make their own educated decision in other words if someone has a question okay they would come to me as a rabbi mm-hmm. and i would say rabbi what does our, what does our tradition say about whether i should eat uh, uh uh let's say uh shellfish or not we're we're discussing kosher here i would mm-hmm. give them basically the 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 explanation of what it means to eat kosher and why does eating shellfish does not fall into the category of eating of 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 kosher eating and then i would say to the person who asked me this question i invite you now to make your own educated decision i will not be there to look in your plate or to uh to sit with you to dinner to make sure that you are not eating shellfish because that's not what my intention is my intention is for you to feel comfortable living your own life and then making the educated decisions that sit very well with you and your own way of life so i gave you a very wide and open ended response and answer to your question um if if you wanted to have a more specific question what is reform judaism um i'm 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 very happy to continue i i can go from now until uh, until the end of the week and 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 mm-hmm. and discuss with you what reform judaism uh you asked me to introduce myself i think you did a pretty good job i am a rabbi a congregational rabbi i was born and raised in israel the name of my congregation is temple beth tikva and i'm very proud to be a part of 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 that community um i get to do everything that i love doing most um and um i mentioned that i was born in israel i was born and raised there which means that my native language is hebrew um and mm-hmm. so i'm i'm completely um dual dual languages i speak both language languages fluently that was very beautifully put together we love bilingual yes bilingual <laughs> that's the word that i was looking yeah. for thank you <laughs> <laughs> of course yeah it's a very common problem for you know bilingual people to sometimes uh forget the words um in one certain language right because so. you know it it's just sometimes both languages just cross one another and it's like well, oh my god i have to think really fast i have to think really fast and i know that being a turkish speaker yourself you know what i'm talking yeah. about <laughs> it's a common problem we face every single day so here's a funny question for oh. you tuana i for us when we start speaking with other uh uh you know hebrew speakers and right here in the states uh we find ourselves talking in a new dialect called hiblish half half hebrew mm-hmm. half english and and words are just being inserted in both languages uh almost seem- seamlessly do you have the same or similar uh, concept in 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 turkish half turkish half english that that you coined or that you refer to yeah of course we have the same thing i think also one of the things i realize is i'm mixing accents a lot so when i'm speaking english sometimes like i switch you know to turkish accent and again same thing when i'm speaking in turkish I speak with, you know, an American yep. accent. 
So it's, it's very weird for me I know. You know, um, to kind of like observe it from a, you know, third person uh, perspective. Yeah, it's I'm sure it sounds really weird to, uh, you know, to people who uh, who basically, like you said, third, a third person listening to that. It's, yeah. So we call it hiblish. What do you call it? I'm not really sure. I think we say Turkish or something like that. that. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's similar. Yeah. I think you just maybe um, coined a term, Turkish. <laughs> probably. Yeah. <laughs> we can use it yeah, from now on. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. And I know that, uh, you know, you had a Turkish background, if I remember correctly. You do remember correctly. And uh, that's my mother's side. Uh, my mom. Mm-hmm. Um, Actually, her parents uh, w- both were born and raised in Turkey in Istanbul, um, and which used to be called uh, Constantinople. Uh, yeah. mm-hmm. But my my mom actually was born in Istanbul, and um, when she was about one week old, uh, and when the Second World War broke out in in Europe, and Uh, you know, there was a, a serious risk to the Jews who lived in Turkey and Bulgaria and Greece and, uh, so, and of course, most parts of Europe. They started to migrate from, from one place to another. And my grandparents mm-hmm. ended up taking a train from Istanbul to the northern part of Israel Um, and mm-hmm. that train and that exhibition of train and the tracks that were all the way from Istanbul to the northern part of Israel are still there. They're not functioning anymore. But what I'm trying to say is that when I, uh, growing up in Israel, I was exposed to uh, to my, my mom's heritage. My grandparents mostly spoke uh, a, a, a Hebrew, I mean, a, a Spanish dialect of Hebrew uh, because they were the original. Uh, um, yeah, it's called Latino. Latino. Right? Latino. Like Latino. Yes. <laughs> they were the original Jews who escaped uh, um, Spain during the Inquisition in the 1400s. So their family ended up in Turkey, and that's why they spoke Ladino or Spaniolit in Hebrew. This part of the family came from Turkey. And uh, and my mom uh, really didn't speak any Turkish because she was only one week old when her parents brought mm-hmm. her Israel. So she spoke her mother's tongue, which was actually Spaniolit, uh, Ladino. Mm-hmm. And her parents spoke Turkish between them when they didn't want my mom to to understand uh, when she was a child growing up in, in Israel. Um, and so, but the language that I heard most was, uh, was Ladino. Uh, and some, sometimes I heard Turkish as well. And so the language itself is very familiar to me. I, I, I'm, I'm almost... I'm almost uh, familiar with the music of, of, of the language of Turkish, which I love. We said music and Ladino. I just remember about Yasmin Levy. She's one of my favorite really? singers. Wow, that's beautiful. I know most of her songs are in uh, Ladino. Yes. It actually brings us to my second question. Music is a universal language of peace and Judaism itself is a lot about music, actually. And especially in Reformed Judaism, I know you mentioned before, it's, you know, very difficult to encounter a congregation without the accompaniment of at least a piano. Uh, but it might be right to say that you were always attracted to music even before you start practicing, you know, Reformed Judaism. And you even learned English at a very young age when you were still living in Israel just by listening to songs and music being such a huge part of your life. It's also uh, what brought you to the United States. So can you tell us a little bit about your journey from Israel to the United States and how you know music guided you throughout this journey and continues to do so throughout your life? Absolutely. And uh, you actually framed this question so beautifully, Tuana. I must say I am just so impressed with the way that you uh, that you constructed this question. It's almost... 
it, it, it's almost singable. It's so beautiful. Uh, the way that seriously, <laughs> seriously. Um, so uh, for those of you who don't know, I, I, I actually have two titles, um, two professions. Um, I'm, I'm a rabbi, but before that I was, uh, I was trained and ordained as a cantor. A cantor in the Jewish tradition is a musician who is also clergy. Um, I've always been a musician and I always will be a musician. The difference, the main difference between rabbis and cantors is that, uh, cantors solely, focus on the world of music and they basically bring everything to life uh, with melodies and and chanting and you know just just a very very uh, uh, wide breadth of musical offerings from different genres and different generations as well um, personally uh, for myself um, you were right the way that I actually learned English was listening by listening to songs on the radio. When I grew up, we had more radio than, uh, than television. So I used to listen to all kinds of radio stations from all, all over the, the area that we could get on our small little radio. And, um, I was especially drawn to, to folk, American folk and American, uh, bluegrass music. To the extent that when I when I was older, you know, at the age of twenty something, and and you know, going into my thirties, I was a member of two folk rock and bluegrass bands, and I used to actually perform and travel in in Israel and different festivals, and and um, I I became so in love with with American folk and and bluegrass music. And it was really weird to sometimes my Israeli accent would would just uh, sneak into the bluegrass songs that I knew oh so well uh, to play on my guitar. And by the way, I, I I learned how to play guitar when I was 12 years old. And guitar has been a part of my life uh, basically since I, I remember myself. And uh, wow. you, you guys, when you came to Temple Batikva to be with us, you saw me on, on the stage with my guitar. And I've, oh, it's always part of me, always will be a part of me. And not only I learned how to speak English, sometimes I would encounter words that I didn't understand. So I would either go to either my English teacher at school or my dad, who was back then more proficient than me, uh, or just do our research in our, um, in our home's uh, dictionary. And I would find the words and what they meant. And very young, at very young age, I, I just knew that I am going to go and I'm going to, to live in the United States one day. I didn't know how it was going to happen. I don't know. I didn't know uh, what will bring me here and how I'll be able to stay here. And it, I had no way. I, I just knew that I had a very strong drive to, to be here. And, you know, my first albums, my first records were John Denver, the mamas and the, and, and the mamas and the papas and, uh, and, and a few other, you know, John Baez and other, uh, icons, American icons. And I just knew that they, those voices, those songs, those lyrics just led me to be, to want to be a part of this country and indeed, uh, at the age of thirty, I some 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 things you know led me to life circumstances allowed me to to come over here. To I started in California, where I I stayed with some friends to start with, and then I went to college. And back then, I was able to actually apply for um, residency as a student from within the United States. And I started to excel in my own studies. I yes, received some uh, scholarship, uh, which allowed me to apply for more and more classes. And I basically, uh, in, in, in undergraduate, I chose to be a musician. And I, because I'm also, I've always been attracted to being a teacher, my undergraduate degree was in music education. 
And so I got to learn on all different kinds of, to study all different kinds of instruments and become familiar with so many different uh, cultures and, and conducting and choir singing. And I really, really immersed myself with the world of music uh, in college in California. And then somewhere along the path, I uh, joined um, the first, I, I was asked by one of my teachers in college, Cabrillo College. Uh, she told me that at a nearby synagogue, Reform Synagogue, they were looking for a youth choir director. And I'll never forget that. Her name was Stephanie. And I said, Stephanie, you must be kidding me. I, me, I, I'm just a college student. What do I have to do with a reform Judaism? Because back then I wasn't really involved in any kind of, of, you know, uh, organized religion. I was just an Israeli <laughs> Jew who came from Israel to study music. And, uh, and she said, mm -hmm. you know what? Go. I already set you up in, in, in an interview. Go. Just check them out. See what they have to say. You can do this. You're perfect for it. You speak Hebrew. You have the musical background from Israel. Just go and try them out. And so I went and I met with the rabbi and with their cantor at the time. And to Anna, it was love at first sight. Seriously. Um, <laughs> wow. I, I, I started to feel after I, I interviewed with the rabbi and the cantor there that a part of me came home. Um, I, I, I started to, to conduct the children, the, the youth choir. I still have pictures here from, I had a large choir of, of, of quite a few kids. I taught them so many different pieces of music that I knew. It was a very successful choir. Uh, we actually did a lot of performances in Santa Cruz in California back then. Uh, we're talking 20-something years ago. It, it didn't happen yesterday. Mm -hmm. and, um, and then one thing led to the other, and both Rabbi and the cantor there started to ask me to teach classes all the way from, uh, from Hebrew to music classes to choir to liturgy. And while teaching, I started to learn and become very familiar with reform music genre, something I had no idea or I didn't know anything about before. And I so fell in love mm -hmm. with reform congregation that accepts me as a woman, as someone who sings her heart out. And not only that, they invited me to teach and they invited me to be a part of that congregation. And slowly but surely, I started to co-lead services and I started to notice that I was getting pretty good at it. And then the rest is history. I decided to actually, with the encouragement of the cantor there and the rabbi, I applied for cantorial school and I used to fly to Los Angeles from San Jose once a week, an hour flight. And I went to school for wow. four years and I became ordained in 2009 as a cantor. And just before I graduated, I was hired by my previous congregation in San Jose Temple Emmanuel, where I had the uh, the honor and and the privilege of working with the rabbi there, Rabbi Dana Magat, and I became mm -hmm. uh, their cantor, where I was there for ten years, and then I heard another calling along the path, and that was, you know what, Mika, something is not finished, something is not complete. And then the bug of going to school hit me again. And I got on the plane once a week, mm -hmm. once more for three more years. And I finished my second master's in rabbinic studies. I wrote my second thesis 
and I became a rabbi. Mm -hmm. So it all started with music, listening to the radio. I know that you're also personally very connected with uh, music. We would say music as the international language of peace. So I want to ask you a question as a person, you know, who comes from a different religious background. And even though we don't particularly share the same religious views, uh, when I visited you at the synagogue, I remember let alone feeling welcome. I felt very peaceful and I truly felt like I belonged there. And I'm sure the reason I felt that way and many people feel the same is because you made sure to make your synagogue a welcoming place for everyone, regardless of their, you know, religious or sexual identity, nationality, race, or even political beliefs. So um, why is it important for you uh, personally to make everyone feel accepted? And why do you think leaders from different communities should also welcome this same wow. ideology? That's uh, such a, a, a an amazing question. So, so wide and so... You know, again, I could speak about it forever and ever, but I want to spare the listeners from from another, you know, 15 minutes or 20 minutes of 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 of, of sermonizing here. But I just want to I, I just I'm wanna, sure they would I love that refer before I, I talk about the second part. Um, you said that you came mm -hmm. to the congregation and you felt at home, you felt at peace and and i i wanted to reflect back to you that i get the same feeling exactly the same feeling when i go for example to a turkish restaurant or turkish music with mm -hmm. unbelievable instruments it somehow tawana it somehow spoke to the deep parts of my soul i did not understand the words i did not understand the lyrics but my soul connected to the sounds, to the notes, to the mm -hmm. way the music, the songs, the, the voices were communicating. There is something almost uh, spiritual, not almost, but actually uh, spiritual that happens when we open ourselves up to, to music that is coming from a real clean place. Music, I call it, with no agenda. Music that is pure, mm -hmm. it, simp it simply comes through a pure vessel, and that's what you connected with, you and, and your friends from do not hate.org. Same way that I mm -hmm. connect to Turkish music and Mediterranean and Japanese music and Indian music, when it comes with no agenda, when it simply flows uh, and it happens a lot of times in, 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 in spiritual or religious settings. That's when we feel included. Now, the reason why you felt included at Temple Betekva is exactly what it is that I conveyed at the beginning of our conversation. Uh, our purpose as Reformed Jews is not to tell you how to live your life. It's not to convert you. It's to feel comfortable with whoever you are, wherever you are on your own spiritual journey. And so that's exactly what you picked up on when you came to be with us. I don't have any idea how to tell other spiritual leaders to be and what to do. It's not my interest in this world. My interest in this world is to invite people to be with us, to be with me, to engage in something that is out of the ordinary life of, you know, jobs and uh, work or job direction or, or school even, just to come and dwell together in a very peaceful environment that just allows you a little escape from the everyday life and worries. I just do my thing. I, I stand over there in my synagogue on the stage, we call it Bima in Hebrew. I close my eyes mm -hmm. and to be completely honest with you, Tawana, if you ask me now what I did, what I sang when you guys were there, I will tell you that I have no idea. I don't because me as Mika, me as Mika the individual, I move out of the way, my ego, my agenda, my preference, everything moves out of the way and I simply let go 
and I let God. That's what I do. And that's what you and other people who come to be with us, that's what they sense. And again, it's not about conversion, converting. It's not about making you feel that what you're doing is incorrect or wrong. Exactly the opposite. Where you are is where you need to be. And you are going to be surrounded by the love that comes through me to you. Yeah, that was such a valuable experience. And I remember what we witnessed that day. I know it was very special, which brings me to my other question. You're committed to engage in an enormously overwhelming project called Tikkun Olam, which is translated into English as repairing the world. So what (laughs) is the meaning of this? Oh, my goodness. Uh, This is the million-dollar question. What is tikkun olam? (laughs) So first of all, tikkun means repairing. Olam means the world, okay? Mm -hmm. But let me uh, put your mind at ease, my dear. I'm not standing here and thinking about how, my God, what am I going to do in order to repair this world? Because the minute this question comes out of my mouth or even such a declaration, I know that I'm setting myself up for failure. Okay, because (laughs) with someone, you know, who's not really familiar with this term, when you use these two big words, it's like, oh, my God, I mean, it's such an overwhelming thing. It's such a how can someone who is a peep squeak like myself, you know, can repair this ginormous (laughs) world. So it really is a concept. It's not, it's, we don't take it literally and it's not a giant, you know, to correct you, what you said at the beginning, it's, it's not, it's not huge. It's, it's very, very small, actually. You know why it's small? Because every person, every person that does something, even, you know, something as, as, as small as picking up a piece of trash. And deciding to put it in a trash bag mm-hmm. or in the garbage can nearby. That's an act of caring for something or someone else. So it can be anything from, you know, picking up trash outside or helping someone by, you know, knocking on their doors during this time of storm, which is, you know, another one is coming tomorrow and asking them if they need anything. When you go shopping, you want to know if 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 they need anything. Uh, that's tikkun olam. That's doing an act of loving kindness. I can't repair the whole world. Oh my God, I I I don't have enough materials to repair in enough uh, the entire world. Uh, like a duct tape. I don't have enough duct tape to repair the broken mm-hmm. world, you know, if, if I'm trying to uh, 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 just insert a little, a little silly joke here. Uh, uh, it's, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's huge. In other words, what I'm trying to say, everything that you and me, my family, my friends, every single little thing that we do for someone or something else is a great piece of the whole puzzle. In our reform tradition, we don't leave everything for God to do, okay? We don't say, oh, God will take care of this. God Mm -hmm. will take care of that. For us in reform Judaism, which I'm going to circle back to the beginning of our conversation, for us, reform Judaism is about partnering with each other and partnering with God in order to make this journey, this life, this very scary journey that's called life, easier and sweeter for other people. So I do, I have different set of skills than you do. What you're doing right now, I couldn't do. I don't know how to create a podcast and and record someone else and then create, you know, a do not hate.org and keep it alive and functioning. I don't know how to do that. It's not my strength. I was blessed with other means and other ways to, to, to do stuff. So we each have to isolate and identify 
what is it? What kind of skills, what kind of gifts God has bestowed upon in order to take this skill, these skills and work to make somebody else's life or the environment better for others? That's all. Again, you beautifully explain it. So we can also um, explain it as this, basically doing simple acts of kindness and doing the best you can. Every um, single every day. day and every so person at <laughs> any age, once they start thinking and talking and walking on both legs, even when they, they're, they're not able to, to, you know, to walk, God forbid, or every person has a way to contribute to someone else every person the question is if we are if we answer to that call that calling to to do for others if you take our entire teaching which is called torah which i think you are mm -hmm. a little bit familiar with the torah the five books of moses yeah. mm -hmm. the, the jewish bible if you would like to condense it condense it into one sentence it would be the following do for others as you would want others to do for you love your neighbor as you love yourself and yours that's all so you have stated that as a rabbi your role is not to avoid issues of human rights but rather to shed a light on these debates and model civil discussions in a manner that you know shows respect for different views you also stated in an article that I read on one of the lessons you have learned, you know, has to do with choosing to not hide or apologize for the fact that you're pro-choice, pro-equality for women, pro-equal rights, and pro-LGBTQ+. And I know that as a pro-mixed marriages rabbi, you also officiated at a wedding of a gay couple. You had an option to, you know, ignore the questions regarding LGBTQ+, or, you know, simply state that you were pro-mixed marriages and, you know, move on with your life. However, you chose to actively take part and officiate at a wedding of a, you know, same-sex couple. Why was this Because for you? for quite a few different reasons, the main one is that I really do believe that every person has the right to be happy. Every person just simply has the right to be happy. And I'm blessed with a very happy marriage. And I, I, I you know, for me, it's, <laughs> it's not even a question if. It's, it's, it's a question of, hey, why not? You know, if it, it, it is <laughs> every every person deserves to marry or cohabitate if they choose not to to marry, you know, to do the, the, the civil ceremony or the religious ceremony, they have the same rights as I do. You know, if 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 I was blessed in, in a wonderful marriage, thank God, uh, uh, why shouldn't you know, a lesbian or, or a gay couple, why wouldn't other people deserve to be happy and to marry the person they love? And there is a, 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 there is a slogan out there. It, it had become a little bit of, of a cliche, if you will. Love is love. But even though it's a cliche, it's really true. Love is love. And so... For me, it's it's not even a question if it's like when let me marry you. I'll be so very happy to marry you. I don't adhere to religion and I don't adhere to to some form of a of a excuse me, but twisted mindset that that is is dictating mm -hmm. that gays and lesbians and, and anyone is not allowed to get married or shouldn't get married. It's it's so twisted. Who am I to uh, dictate to anyone? you know, who they should or shouldn't marry. It's, it's so outrageous in, in, in my view. So absolutely, wherever it is that I can be to perform a wedding or, or a baby naming or to welcome into, into our sanctuary mm -hmm. Jews and non-Jews, I will be there. Everybody deserves to feel God's, God's love. Everybody some people don't have more rights than others. It's ridiculous. And so I, I, you know, for me to officiate at, at the gay marriage in this lifetime, 
that's for me the highest level of joy seriously so actually it's one of the you know main reasons why we created do not hate it's for you know to provide a safe space for everyone to feel welcome regardless of who they are or what they believe in um and you know i really adore you for that <laughs> and i think what you're doing is beautiful and so inspirational just for, do me a big know, favor tuana if you ever hear of anyone who would want a rabbi to marry them of course in a jewish ceremony because that's what i'm trained as i'm trained as a rabbi who officiates mm-hmm. in a jewish ceremony mm-hmm. i don't really i'm not really versed at other types of religious or other ceremonies but please do me a favor and always refer them to me if someone who's listening right now to this podcast absolutely yes, i'll too. be so honored to marry you and to to uh not to marry you but to officiate at your wedding <laughs> to officiate at your wedding if you know uh if you encounter any kind of resistance it would be my privilege my honor to perform a jewish wedding and i i yeah i don't know how else to live in this lifetime well so if anyone's listening you know in need of a rabbi um you can always contact rabbi mika smurly or you know just email us <laughs> on podcast at um do not hate.org and we would be more than happy to you know thank um, you contact absolutely you, so my other question is and we're getting closer you know to the end so we've held many projects and programs with a mission to create a you know more inclusive and tolerant society including the do not bully campaign which we've run in middle and high schools uh one of the messages i've been trying to spread is that you know responsibility starts uh where we are because we created do not hate at a very young age i was 16 and the other you know founders were 17 and even as children and young adults we are responsible to keep an eye on each other protect and support each other um that's what i believe in and we don't particularly you know need to wait for an adult to spot a problem then take action in order to solve it so sometimes we can even reach our peers in a more productive way So you also mentored many youth groups, many young people as a rabbi. Um so why do you think it is important for young people to, you know, acknowledge the responsibility of taking care of each other and step in when they're needed, so not be a bystander uh, basically. Because I mean, wow, again you you stumped me with this absolutely amazing uh, question to Anna. I first of all let me say I'm at awe. I'm at awe with you and your friends. I mean, yes, you came to me when you were 16 and 17 for the first time and you did such an amazing job. I'm I'm still a few years later I'm still blown away by 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 what it is that you've created. Uh and 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 I'm so honestly honored to 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 be here and and to converse with you again i do believe that the more um the more uh, uh united we are um and and the more we bring the message of unity and uh and and education to younger minds uh the the more they will uh ask questions and uh and find their own way hopefully into acceptance as they grow older when they get to to high school for example they'll know that they have adults in their life to support them if god forbid someone ridicules them because they're wearing a hijab or if they wear a kippa at school Uh, perhaps if if someone bullies them and you do have another organization do not bully um if if someone they know that they have a system of adults to support them if if they encounter such you know uh unfortunate basically bullies uh, if they encounter other bullies mm-hmm. in in their lifetime because of their religion their background mm-hmm. So the more they learn from us adults how to be proud 
and how to collaborate with others, the more example we will be setting to future generation. And you and your friends came to our congregation a few times. One of them was um, what we called an interfaith chocolate Passover Seder, where we invited different <laughs> kids uh, from different churches. And we basically said it was like 30 or 40 of us, different people from different backgrounds, from different religions. And we were asking and dealing all kinds of questions that pertain to all of us. Slavery. Slavery is a frame of mind, for example. So we sat together and kids really got to, to talk with each other and to enjoy one of the best thing that all children of all ages love doing, and that is eating chocolate and drinking chocolate at nauseam. <laughs> and um, it was such a successful event. Now, um, the sooner and the younger we start, the more uh, uh, supported and encouraged our young children will we feel will feel as it's time for them to go to high school, then to college, and they will continue to find this kind of support group even among their peers. Um, so I want to ask you one more question. The journey to defeat hate with love is challenging. Um, so what inspires you every day to you know continue fighting for peace with love? Basically, the fact that I'm here, even though mm -hmm. most of my family was killed in the Holocaust, most of not my immediate family, but my mm -hmm. the family of my grandparents. And, and I don't really have aunts and uncles and I don't have an extended family because most of my family was uh, was killed in, in uh, during World War Two. But the fact that I'm here. And the fact that I was blessed with um, with the ability to be a leader um, and the fact that I was blessed with both languages and having grown up in Israel uh, and here, um, I, I feel that I can basically uh, uh, continue to spread the word of love. And I can continue to do everything I possibly can to bring people together rather than splitting them and causing chaos uh, while uh, uh, prom promoting hatred. Let me just tell you that in addition to being with you mm -hmm. and right now and to, um, you know, to, to continue to support do not hate, uh, uh, org. I'm also co-chairing our community's uh, interfaith council, and um, we mm -hmm. are in the process. I'm, I'm co-chairing with my friend from across uh, the from across the street from the uh, the Presbyterian Church. Uh, uh, we are co-chairs of this uh, beautiful group of people, and we are in the process of bringing you know speakers and to engage our entire community with dialogue of what is you know how deep is racism uh and 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 how can we tackle mm -hmm. it by coming together and 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 you know and and demonstrating how we do get along and how we do appreciate one another just like what you and I are doing right now I am full of so much love and, and appreciation to you and what it is that you do. And, and, you know, that's the way to go. Do it when you're a child. Do it when you are a teenager. Continue to spread the good word when you become an adult. And that's why I'm, I'm just tirelessly, uh, I'm, I'm continuing to work. Because the word of love for one another is always there. We just have to notice that. When you don't know another person, it's really easy to be fearful of them and then develop hatred and all kinds of negative feelings. We can choose to change our path and become supporters of love and compassion. If I didn't see, if I was not a result of hatred, that killed most of my family in the Holocaust, um, I would not be aware that that kind of hate exists in the world. 
And so what I see is that human beings are going to continue to be born into this world. And the younger they are in getting the education from their parents, their teachers, their peers, that uh, uh, there's nothing to be afraid of the other, then the easier and faster they'll become a beautiful, loving adults in, in their future who really do promote love and compassion because they will choose to stop being afraid. And, um, you know, like the, uh, like the Chinese symbol of yin and yang, um, there's always going to be yin and yang. Mm -hmm. There's always going to be an amount of darkness, which is going to be illuminated by a dot of, of light. And there's always going to be a lot of light, which would be darkened by a small uh, a speck of, of darkness. That's the way of the world. Um, but as long as you know that you are loving and compassionate, which I know you are, because you're doing what it is that you're doing. We've been together talking now for 75 minutes, and, uh, um, and, <laughs> and you are doing something that is not going to go to your pocket. You are doing something out of love. You are doing something out of an interest to be helpful for others. And as long as we have people like you in this world, we will continue to spread the word of love and being together, even, even though we are different and we speak different languages and we come from different religious backgrounds. Thank you so much for your sweet words. Um, as I mentioned before, too, I always feel your constant support. You have a very special place in my heart. So thank you so much for, you know, being with me today and answering all these questions beautifully and, you know, continuing to inspire so, Anna, us. Anna, you are day. an amazing young woman and you have such a huge place in my heart as well. And I'm not just saying that. I I just I, I just feel my whole being just rejoicing uh, in talking with you because it really gives me the hope that the world can be a beautiful place thanks to people like yourself. Uh, that was uh, all my questions for you today. And again, thank you so much for accepting my invitation. That was it for today's episode. We hope you enjoyed it as much as we did because we love recording it. If you want to be a guest in our podcast, you can always email us at podcast.donahate.org. We're also on social media, so make sure to check out our Instagram, which is donahate.org, or you can always visit our website, donahate.org. We hope to see you in the next episode, so don't forget to subscribe. With peace, bye for now. Thank you.